This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dean Amal Andraus. Thanks for listening. I'm James Briel, a third year MRC student at Columbia GSAP. I'm speaking with Adam Fury and Meredith Miller of TEAM, or T plus E plus A plus M, in advance of their lecture at the school on January 29th, 2018. TEAM is an architecture practice based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and led by Tom Moran, Ellie Abrams, Adam Fury, and Meredith Miller. Their work moves between material and digital image production, with recent projects including a full-scale installation that tests an experimental approach to material reuse and a temporary pavilion that makes concrete the immaterial aspects of digital production. TEAM has exhibited at the 2016 Venice Biennale, Storefront for Art and Architecture in New York, the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit, and the A plus D Museum in Los Angeles. All four principals also work together as professors at the University of Michigan Taubman College of Architecture and Urban Planning. Thanks for speaking with me today. Sure. Thanks for having us. To kick it off, could you just talk to us about collaboration and how you make your workflow between four people? Sure. I would say collaboration has been a part of each of our practices, even before the four of us decided to um, work together in 2015. And I think um, in each of our collaborations, we've come to realize just the way that ideas get better when they're part of a conversation between people. Um, In 2009, we did a kind of semi-collaboration, or the four of us were involved in a much larger collaboration when we first arrived at Talman College. And at the time, we were still somewhat operating as individuals and unique practices, but we sort of shared our resources in order to buy a house in Detroit. (laughs) And this was 2009, right after the kind of housing crash. And um, for us, it was an opportunity to build at full scale. And so while each of us built different installations and sort of, you know, explored different ideas through our installations, there was a kind of sharing of tools and a sharing of rides and a sharing of, of resources that I think made the pro- made a project that we wouldn't have been able to do on our own. So it was a kind of, I don't know, a kind of like scrappy attitude at the beginning. And I think when team came together in 2015, it was really out of a kind of mutual admiration, I would say, for each other's work and a realization that there was so much overlap intellectually, conceptually, and even in terms of our design sensibilities. So it was a really exciting chance to, again, kind of do architecture projects that um, maybe we wouldn't individually have the capacity or the kind of, I don't know, it just sort of got Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. (laughs) as the four of us started working together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think some of the nuts and bolts of it is we've thought about ways that we could all come together and share ideas at the most crucial phase of the project. So we often have sketching sessions, conversations early on to set the kind of conceptual territory and framework for the project. And then we might break up into smaller teams and with employees, but also as principals and then work on projects and then check back in and work on progress. So we're, yeah, sort of always workshopping the ideas and getting everyone else's feedback. Mm -hmm. I think because of that, I mean, many people are curious about how four principals make decisions or design you know, a synthetic project together. And I would say what Adam just described is true. We really rely on all four principles to provide design input and make important decisions. So it may take us a little bit longer to come to a, a kind of final decision or mm-hmm. to like give the green light <laughs> to a design idea. But then once we do, 
the production moves really quickly, I think because of the kind of number of people we have working on it. Mm-hmm. It seems that a lot of your work is, is based around Detroit, and you mentioned it earlier of, of how um, your early starts were scrappy and were based mm-hmm. on this backdrop of crisis. Can you talk about how that's evolved over the years and, and how it is being working around Detroit now? Yeah, I think that maybe the first project that Meredith was describing was everyone's initial foray into Detroit as a context to work in. And so we connected with people who were there on the ground who had been there for a number of years that helped kind of steer us through the process, like told us about the possibility of buying a house at at, an, at this auction that happens annually and how you would just go about that process. And then the first project was DIY in like every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. So we bought materials and everything was done by ourselves and and we were kind of working through the project as it was unfolding as it was being built that was a different project than the one that we did kind of officially together to start which was the Detroit reassembly plant which came at the invitation of the curators of the 2016 Venice Biennale U.S. Pavilion Cynthia Davidson and Monica Ponce de Leon there they asked us to think about in a speculative way the site this very important site in Detroit the Packard plant So that was a project that we needed to conceive of at a totally different scale. We needed to think about the program, how it would interface with the region, what the project would be in terms of formally, spatially, how it would interface with the neighborhood and actually what would happen there. So that was a chance to think more broadly about some of the stuff that we do in our own practice at a smaller scale and how we might propose, let's say a system of reusing the materials in the region for alternative ends. So that was kind of two ends of the spectrum, I would mm-hmm. say. One is like we're kind of working directly on a site with the materials, building things ourselves, and then the other is at a much larger scale and thinking about how some of our ideas about material could be thought to have a regional impact. I think moving forward, there's questions about how we maybe take the speculative and apply it to let's say, real sites in Detroit. So we're starting to have conversations about how that that might happen and how some of the speculative ideas of Detroit reassembly plant might get implemented in some form or another. Yeah, I was wondering if you could be a bit more specific about that. I mean, a lot of your work is speculative and conceptual, and so mm-hmm. do you have ideas of ways that some of that could feed back into reality or construction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would add on to Adam's description of Detroit reassembly plant just to emphasize the fact that while we were working speculatively, we were always working through material experimentation and prototyping. Uh, There's such a culture of making at Michigan, and that's kind of what we've been uh, surrounded by for the past eight years. And so the design really came out of these kind of hands-on casting experiments using materials recovered from the site. And there's a learning process that happens in just trying to execute that kind of simple cast in terms of, you know, sourcing material and figuring out the composite mixture that's going to work. And we've since done more work along those lines. So building on that initial project, we made a a full-size column this year out of a similar mixture of construction debris and polymers. So we're really imagining ways that on a larger scale, there would be ways to reassemble disused materials and kind of give them a new life through through architecture. 
There's an interesting moment looking at your representation versus your projects because so much of your representation is based on model photos of things that you've cast and mm -hmm. so are the actual objects that you're making. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how those two perhaps collapse or start to inform each other in a very serious way? Yeah, so that's maybe our foremost preoccupation at this point. <laughs> so I think that we're really interested in the like material qualities of physical things. We're interested in how humans move through the world, how the physical environment, how they respond to the physical environment. But we also don't think that that's a kind of purely authentic, like in the flesh experience, like all cultural content is highly mediated. And so I think that we take that as not like a, a negative of the world today, but just as an opportunity to think about materiality and to think about like the experience of space and objects in, in new ways. So we're often intentionally layering multiple representations of one material artifact on top of itself to produce these end results, which are kind of impossible to parse out in terms of like the inputs, right? Like we'll make a material study, we'll digitally scan that, we'll render it, and then we'll put like through Photoshop additional texture from the photos back onto the rendered object. So you start to cycle all these different copies of the original artifact, like cycle through them and layer them on top of one another to the point where it becomes some new thing. So I would say that we don't think about like physical objects and then less real digital copies. Like for us, there's an expanded realm of materiality that moves from the digital to the physical. And we're constantly kind of pushing that to, to the extents that we can. Do you make other hybrids than the current one that you're describing between digital and physical? Like, are there other other forms of hybridization of materials and drawings that you use, you know, for example, with more traditional forms of representation? Hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I think there's many hybridizations we really <laughs> want to make <laughs> and we've sort of thought about but maybe haven't had the time to execute. Like, I mean, mixed reality, mm -hmm. video, kind of layering you know, digital models or digital environments onto video of, you know, real environments. I think it's it's what Adam described as the way we like to work, kind of testing things in different contexts and then shifting them back again and sort of seeing what we can gain from that translation. Again, not that one is more authentic or real than the other, but really recognizing the kind of authorship that we can bring to that translation. So the audience, the audience here tonight is going to be treated to a four-person lecture. Can you just <laughs> give us an overview of how that's going to work? Yep. <laughs> I've heard it will be performative. Somebody was promising too much. Um, <laughs> we just broke it up into sections, so we're each taking on a few ideas and a project or a couple of projects and just going to talk through the ideas. We did come up with or produce like a custom website for tonight's lecture, which has taken up most of our time. Um, <laughs> and maybe this is one of those hybridized potentials that you were asking about because one project in particular, Living Picture, which was a temporary outdoor performance theater that we did this past summer, which was heavily invested in thinking through like digital imagery at the scale of architecture. There was something about formatting that for a web-based presentation that didn't seem like it was a representation of a project, but somehow seemed like an integral like version of the project itself which has to do with like its results from a series of flat 
rendered artifacts that are layered on top of one another to produce this kind of like shallow space. And there's a way in which we were overlapping things like on the web page and the flatness of the screen, the flatness of the web page, it seemed to like resonate with the actual architecture itself. So yeah, it just seems like the media is integrated into the project in a way that I don't think is something that has happened, like as is the way people worked maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago, let's say it definitely isn't the way that we were probably five years mm-hmm. ago. It's something that's been a more recent fascination. Right. I would say in that way, the lecture will be somewhat performative in the sense that we have this long scrolling document that all of us have kind of dumped images in and kind of moved around. And I would say that's representative of how we work through Google mm-hmm. Docs or Google Slides, or right. we really like things that we can kind of all get in at the same time. Right. And, and the fact that we're all sitting around a table, you know, with our laptops, it's what we, it's what we do. <laughs> well, we're all looking forward to it. Thanks again for speaking with me tonight. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. This podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP in collaboration with Arc Daily. We launched a new series of podcasts called Constructing Practice, in which young architects from around the world speak about their motivations, challenges, and what it means to start a new practice in their respective context. Look for it on iTunes and find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.